Seattle in trouble. This could be terminal trouble. Stefan Fry saves the first, but not the second. And Gigliotti, in all probability, secures the League Cup for Club Leon. You are looking live at Las Vegas, where last night, in front of 24,000-some fans, Leon picked up their first international trophy with a come-from-behind 3-2 victory over the Seattle Sounders in the 2021 edition of the League's Cup. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar, coming to you from the city of Sin, Hercules, your hometown, where I can literally not walk more than five minutes without being asked to take a picture, not with you, but of you and somebody else. What do you want, man? So you're a pretty big deal around here. Hey, smell of rich mahogany. Yes, um, your, your hometown put on quite a show last night. I'll give it to him. Uh, we did not expect that big a crowd in the League's no. Cup game, but I, Vegas knows how to put on a, an event. Yes, Vegas knows how to party. We know how to put on an event. It's a midweek game, about a week anticipation for these clubs, mm-hmm. and they said regional clubs are small clubs. Clubs. There won't be a turnout. 24,000, that is not too shabby. And you know what? Uh, apart from the the chant, mm-hmm. uh, everything else was very, very good. So we got lots coming up in this show. Of course, we'll hear from Mauricio Pedrosa in just a bit. Clásico Nacional this Saturday at Azteca between Chivas and Club América. Should be a great game down in Liga Mekis. We got a full preview of that. We also got some news out of Major League Soccer. The New England Revolution are into the playoffs, Herc. Yes, it's only September. They've already clinched a spot. Plus, we got a, another <sighs> Good just massive, massive goal-scoring romp from the U.S. women's national team against Paraguay. That's 8 nothing for those keeping uh, score at home. 17 nothing aggregate. on aggregate. Uh, no, good thing that they don't keep aggregate uh, <laughs> in those matches. Of course, all that available for you on the podcast, which you can download wherever you find your podcast, right in the ESPN FC feed. Let's start with last night's main event, though, the League's Cup Final. At Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders, between Leon and Sounders, Seattle getting out to a 1-0 lead after a, it must be said, incredibly dull her first half. After that, chaos. Five goals in the second half. Leon storms back to win 3-2. What, what was the big difference between the two halves? Like how do we go from zero miles an hour to seemingly 60 miles an hour in the blink of an eye? Yeah, you and I were, were sitting next to each other the whole game, right? And we were saying this just seems like another final. These are what finals are like. The 0-0, very cagey, very nervy type of moment. I heard you say cagey like 15 times in the first half. Yeah, <laughs> and what it was, right? Yep. It was. It was tense. Uh, but Ariel Holland changed the game. Mm. Uh, there's two events that changed the game. One is the amount of times the Seattle Sounders missed. There's a yep. saying in Espanol, mm. in Spanish, so I can translate that for you. Later. Uh, el que perdona pierde. Mm-hmm. He, he who, who forgives loses. loses. Yes. yes. And it couldn't be more true than yesterday. And the Seattle Sounders, let me give you this. The Seattle Sounders, it was the first time in which they held the lead at any point and lost since June 5th, 2019 Mm. versus Montreal, the Montreal Impact when they were the Impact. This was just them crumbling in the worst possible moment. Minute 60, Ariel Holland does a three-man change, three-man substitution. And two of those players are Elias Hernandez and El Puma Gigliotti. Both of them are vital in two of the three goals that Leon scores. And it wasn't just progressive. It was within 40 seconds they changed the game. And the moment that Leon equalized, Seattle crumbled. It, it just deer in the headlights look, and it was MLS fracaso mm. over 
and over again, replaying. Rinse and repeat. Angel Mena with a couple of goals. As you mentioned, Gigliotti comes on and gets the third for Leon. Christian Roldan with the opener for Seattle, a beautiful goal. Uh, and then Seattle adds a, a late one off a deflection to make it a little bit more respectable at 3-2. Hey, uh, last week on the show, you said the crowd would be like much more Leon than Seattle. I thought it was closer to 50-50. It was, wasn't it? Was, it? You know what's right? surprising? I, I, Founders travel well, don't they, they? No, they travel very well. But I, I was like, we were not going to see too many Leon fans. We yep. saw a good amount of Leon fans, yep. but we saw... People wearing their Chivas jerseys. People wearing their America jerseys. People wearing their Mexican national team jerseys. Seattle fans. And then we saw U.S. men's national team jerseys. So it was a celebration. I didn't think it would be like that. I'm glad it got this type of response. Honestly, I'm very excited for what the tournament can hold in the future. Let's get to the future of the tournament a little bit later on in the show. Right now, let's focus in on this match because I want to pose the question this way. It is, it is an impressive comeback from Leon. Is that the biggest storyline? Is that the biggest takeaway from this game? Or is it the fact, and I think this is where you're going based on what you said during the highlight, that Seattle blew this. Seattle had a lead in a final and really let it slip away. Yeah. Seattle blew it. Really? No. Yes. And, and, and we don't say that very often. Oh, no, no. Seattle's a very consistent team. And Seattle's probably punching above their, their weight class here. I mean, they're playing without Nico Lodeiro, who's mm -hmm. the most important player in their franchise's history. Jordan Morris, who was an MVP candidate alongside Nico Lodeiro last season, is still on the men with the ACL tear. But they really blew this. Yeah. You had chances to go up 2-0, 3-0. You don't take advantage of it. Against a team like Leon, who's so dangerous and a wealth of offensive attacking options. And just look at the subs. Yeah. Look at Brian Schmetzer. You know, he went in the subs to a left back while they're going to Puma Gigliotti, a forward. They're going to Elias Hernandez, a very capable, you know, offensive player. It's just a stark contrast in options. Yeah, it is, but but that's the point. It's stark contrast in options. I don't know that you can say Ariel Holland necessarily got, got one over on Brian Schmetzer in this match. Though after I think Seattle, after well after Seattle scores, there's a big period where Leon seems to be grabbing more and more momentum, and there's nothing that that happens in the game from Seattle in terms of a response that changes that. But can we be honest? Can we acknowledge who these subs are? Look at Leon, who they're bringing on. Yeah. You mentioned Gigliotti, Elias Hernandez. Chapito Montes comes on Chapito Montes. as a sub. Avion Ramirez has been very good this season as well. Seattle's bringing on Benazet, Will Bruin, Atencio Akid, and Brad Smith. Yeah. Uh, when we look, talk look about the times they're bringing him on, though. And, and where's Leo Shu? Why do you spend this money on Leo Shu? And he shows you he, a flash of brilliance against Santos and practically sets up the game winner for Raul Ruiz Diaz, and you leave him out there. He doesn't yeah. even show up. He doesn't even make an appearance onto the field. I've praised Brian Schmetzer so much. Yeah. I've said he's one of the best. You think he waited too long for I the subs? I think he waited too long. I think subbing like the 60th and then yeah. the next one is until 77, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think so. I think he waited too long. And I think if we praise Oriel Hallen for, yeah. that, for that move, we also have to say what happened on the other. Yeah, but you have to acknowledge the massive of difference course, between of course. those two benches. But you know what this sounds like? You know what this sounds like? MLS excuses. MLS excuses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like, why do you have those limited options? You on the yourself impose those yeah, things. Yes, so, have a yes. salary cap. So, um, big picture here, then, as we look at the tournament, second edition of the tournament, second time that we get a Mexican team that is your winner. Uh, is this a bigger failure, fracaso? We'll use those two words for Seattle losing a final, or for Major League Soccer to again see their own showcase event turned against them by Liga MX. 
Now, this is a bigger fracaso for Major League Soccer. I mean, Seattle is punching above their weight class, and we already told you Seattle's about punching above their weight class when it comes to Leon because Leon is not among the big spenders in, in Mexico. It, 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 they're a very good spender in Mexico. Okay. Absolutely very good spender, and they're a very consistent team. And so are the Seattle Sounders. They're taking anything away from them. But this is another – we can't spin it any other way than another Major League Soccer fracaso. Leon, the only other time they played an international championship was in 93 against Saprissa, okay, mm-hmm. in, the, in the CONCACAF Champions Cup or whatever it was called back then. That's the only – only other time. This wasn't Cruz Azul. This wasn't Chivas. This wasn't Tigres. This wasn't Monterrey. This was Leon. Okay. Major League Soccer had his chance versus Leon. We can't spin this to just Seattle. It's another fracaso for Major League Soccer, and it leaves everybody asking, when? Mm. When will finally? When finally will Major League Soccer beat the Liga MX clubs in a final? Yeah. This is their event. Like this is the showcase event for MLS, and specifically this week with the big announcement, it felt like a unique opportunity, right? Yeah. All of, of Mexican media and our colleagues on ESPN Deportes, they were focused very much on this match. And had Seattle won the discussion, Herc, and, and we kind of dance around it here, but, but you always get it when we bring like a Mauricio Pedrosa on, and we'll have him later in the show, is that the gap is closing. Right. I feel like the Tinder was, was ready last night. Had somebody sparked that match, had, had the Sounders won, ESPN Deportes would have been an entire hour's worth of conversation about the gap closing. Instead, that opportunity for MLS to have that moment was missed. So I think, I think it's a fracaso for MLS in that regard. The one thing I would say about Seattle, I'm curious if you agree with me here, they might be the only MLS team that can claim fracaso for losing a final. Not that they haven't lost finals before, they've lost MLS Cup finals, but this is a franchise, an organization that in all of the parity in MLS, a model we see up-downs, up-downs, up-downs. Sounders fans can really say, we no longer accept to go to a final and lose it, especially against Leon. Especially if we're going to celebrate Leon's first ever international trophy. This would have been Seattle's first ever international trophy. So I think you can spin it in some way and say, fracaso might be strong, but a failure for Seattle of because, because of, the, of the exigencia of the standards that they themselves have set. You know fracaso means failure. Yeah, no, I know. But we, <laughs> I'd like to you know, translate right. it for our, for our good friends at home. Uh, so let's then talk about the future of this tournament and what is to come. Because on Tuesday, we got really the big announcement and and all of the many, many details uh, about what's coming starting in 2023. And that's that both Major League Soccer and Liga MX will pause their seasons, pause their seasons for one month for a 47 team, 29 teams from MLS, 18 from Liga MX tournament, which will feature both a group stage and a knockout round. So think kind of uh, World Cup, World Cup. CONCACAF Champions League, uh, more World Cup, right? Because it's condensed yeah, into a month. month. There's going to be significant prize money. We don't know all the details about that. But we do know that the top three finishers, so not just your winner, your second place and your third place, will get a CONCACAF Champions League spot. So opportunity. I'll, yes, a CONCACAF Champions League opportunity. Uh, first place goes directly into the 16. Uh, the second and third then go into, into the initial rounds, kind of the qualifying threat for those later knockout rounds, which is where very much the interesting part of, of the CONCACAF Champions League. So let's break this down. Plenty of strings to pull at this. We'll do it in a in one of our familiar segments, right? The good, the bad, uh, and the ugly. So let's start with the good, Hurt. What do you like about this fusion between Major League Soccer and Liga MX? I like that it's good business for both. 
Okay. You know? How so? Let's start with MLS. How's a good business for MLS? Well, Major League Soccer is uh, stealing the shine from League MX. It's the most watched league in mm -hmm. the States. Mm -hmm. So you associate yourself with that brand. No, it's not the Premier League. No, it's not La Liga. No, it's not the Champions League. It's Liga MX that draws the most here in the States. Yep. So you're associating yourselves with that 40 brand. 40 million Mexican-Americans in the United States. Clearly, MLS knows that. You see it from their signings. Of course. Guys like Carlos Vela, Gio Dos Santos, Chicharito Hernandez. Clearly, that's yes. the focus. Can I so, tell you? Yeah. Really quickly for Liga Mekis, because mm -hmm. you're like, oh, what does Liga Mekis get out of this? Uh, what about so America, Chivas, Cruz Azul, Tigres, these clubs, mm -hmm. these are big clubs in Mexico and here in the States. They draw well. But your Pueblas, mm -hmm. your Querétaros, your San Luis, the rest of Liga Mekis is not doing so well with its clubs. You open up this market, you give your their fans an opportunity to see them here, you give their teams exposure here, you give maybe a breath of life of what could be new investment yep. on this side there. I think it's good business on both. And you give you give access for all of those Liga Mekis teams as well to the 40 million Mexican-Americans, which right. is absolutely valuable to them. I like what you said about the smaller clubs. The fact that it includes everyone to me is very important. What we'd seen so far from League's Cup had been exclusive, right? right. Four and four. You don't really get a kind of full taste of, of the leagues and everything that they're, that they're bringing into this. Uh, if there's one other thing that I think is worth it is the closure. I think we're done now with the merger talk, right? Like We've been done with that. I mean, how many times has... But Don not Barber... until we had a final product. This, to me, feels right. very much like the final product. You know, there's a lot of consternation on both sides, MLS fans and League MX fans, and, and media on both sides, who didn't want to see a full-on league-on-league merger. I think clearly we're avoiding that. This is going to be the, the final product right. of this. This is it. And I, I like that. I like that there's, for me anyway, some sense of, of closure in the good. The, o now. the other thing I think is we get some dream matchups. We get some potential for some very, very interesting matchups. Yes, you do, but you also get some potential for some not so good matchups. <laughs> yeah. So then maybe that's what we should take it next. Uh, the bad, the things that perhaps we don't like from this new tournament, which will take over um, CONCACAF. Let's start there then with those bad matchups as our good friend Chelis down at ESPN Deportes and of uh, Chivas USA fame loves to say, who's going to watch a Puebla Cincinnati? So, Herc, who is going to watch a Puebla Cincinnati? The Puebla Cincinnati fans, and, and that's <laughs> about it. And I've heard, well... Is that, good for, is that good for a national broadcaster it dilutes, like ESPN? It, it dilutes the, the product, if you mm -hmm. will. And I, I've heard some... Some things on both sides. Well, well, it's, this is tilted in the favor of, of Major League Soccer. There's 27 teams. Uh, no, there there aren't 27 yeah. good teams. You know, there aren't 18 good teams. So there are potential for some very bad matchups. And Chelis is right. You know, not everybody wants to see a Cincinnati versus Puebla. With all due respect to those fan bases uh, that I very much enjoy and love mm -hmm. very much. Mm -hmm. But that's the reality of things. The product can be diluted depending on the matchup. So it'd be very interesting because in World Cup seeding you have the Head of the pots. You have, you know, the second pot, third pot. It'd be very interesting of how these teams get mixed up and, and drawn. You mentioned the product being diluted. To me, one of the big concerns would be each each league's respective seasons, right? Like, especially here in Major League Soccer, don't we always talk about how MLS needs to find a way to make more of its games relevant, yes. even more of its regular season games relevant? If now suddenly a, a big chunk of your CONCACAF Champions League tickets, which is a big prize for Major League Soccer teams, are being handed out in League's Cup, plus you've got MLS Cup, plus you've got CONCACAF Champions League, what's the value of the MLS regular season? And I think you could also ask that then, because you also have a Liga in Mexico, what's the value of the Liga Mekis regular season? I'm more worried for Liga Mekis. I mean, you think about it, there are 17 games in regular season mm. per club. 
there are 47 teams here. How many games do you think you're going to play? In a one-month condensed schedule, you're going to play, I mean, over 65, 70% of those games. Yeah, we haven't even really talked about how it's going to fit into, like, the international schedule, right? Like, Old, what are you going to uh, do? World in Cup, a, Copa America. Copa America years. How, how is that going to fit in? This tournament is a great idea, but if you take the CONMEBOL and CONCACAF stars out of it, what is it? What is the tournament then? If you're going to be running right up against the Gold Cup or right up against the Copa America, that's a very realistic threat um, for this tournament. Let's move on then to the ugly. And for me, the ugly on this is very clear. It's business and business over sport. Herc, you know. Took the words out of my mouth. Um, and, and really what it is, and I don't think we can avoid this, and that is the Super League comparisons, right? Uh, it's a closed competition. We're going to be handing out CONCACAF Champions League tickets to, to folks who are involved in a closed competition. The big difference here is the response from CONCACAF, world's different than the almost militant and anti-response that we saw from UEFA. Absolutely. If the CONCACAF Nations League was good for the Caribbean teams, the yep. Caribbean countries, this is the exact opposite, right? Right. Because now, I mean, they're just competing against themselves. When will they get these opportunities to compete within the major? They have to literally make it into the top teams or mm -hmm. the top uh, brackets, if you will, top phases to compete against these teams. And you're right. It's wallet over everything else. And the fans... Disregard the fans, you disregard the scheduling, you disregard the players because they're not machines. How many more games can the players play in a congested schedule? Maybe they'll make it worth their while. We know there's a CBA on the Major League Soccer side. There is no CBA mm -hmm. in the Liga MX side. So how will they make this wild for the players? We still don't know. But what we do know is cartera over everything, wallet I, over everything. I wonder if this is – because people are saying, okay, here's what you got here. You've got this project, which is born after the Super League. I wonder actually if how – these groups were able to get this through with CONCACAF cooperation is not going to be the blueprint for what's coming in Europe with a Super League. What if we were to see that Super League born and what you got for winning it was a spot in the UEFA Champions League? I think this is a very clear blueprint for, okay, Confederation, you want in on this private tournament? We can work something out. There's a deal to be struck here. There's something to be negotiated here. I think, I think we're absolutely 100% seeing that. Are you telling that. me Don Garber and Miguel Arriola just gave the keys of the kingdom to... I'm just saying. Yeah? Just saying. Hey, Florentino, uh, write these notes down, Florentino. Yep, he, right. he very well could. Uh, the other thing I think that we have to mention is it is tickets being handed out in a closed system. We, we do talk about that a lot on this show. We were, we were very against the Super League. This is the death of the Open Cup. It's the death of the Open Cup. Some might say it's the death of CONCACAF Champions League. What do you think? I don't think CONCACAF would be involved if it was a death. Right. I actually think it's going to be a boost for CONCACAF Champions League. I do Champions as well. League. Can I give you my, my kind of contrarian sure. thinking there? Although maybe it's not that contrarian. So you're going to get a lot more, <clears throat> excuse me, good matchups. Correct. America, Prime matchups. America LAFC in this tournament. That way when you get them in CONCACAF Champions League, when you get those two-legged fairs, those rivalries are now going to be way more intense because they played against each other a lot more. And also, this is good for CONCACAF. I mean, down the road, you're going to see a lot more teams in this Club World Cup. You're seeing the expanded Club World Cup, so that could potentially mean that there are better teams in this World Cup representing CONCACAF. Yeah. Uh, maybe people down in Mexico would say, hey, wouldn't we be better off in the Libertadores? Wouldn't that be better for sport? But again, for Mexico, it's also... Business. It is business, but uh, business with all soccer. due respect to Libertadores, have you seen some of those matchups? Not all of them are great. So you you think you think the level of competition is just as good as Super League, Concacaf, Champions League? That's just like comparing it's like comparing Champions League with the World Cup qualifier and Comunable. So. All right. Uh, so there was plenty of news this week out of Las Vegas, um, but there's something about this city that that just kind of like loosens people up. You know, it's loosens the alcohol. People up. I don't think it's the alcohol. I just think people are in, are in good vibes here. So I'll give you guys a, a little behind the scenes story. When you interview Don Garber 
at halftime of like a major league soccer ESPN event, the questions are like pretty carefully curated, right? right. The talking points are you pretty much know what you're going to get. So it was a very much a surprise last night when at halftime, Don Garber told our Taylor Twelman and John Champion this about the future of Major League Soccer in Las Vegas. Don, before I let you go, League's Cup 2023, will Vegas have a team? Well, Vegas, we hope we'll have a team, whether it's by 2023, I don't know, Joe. But look at this. I mean, this is, this is an exhibition game. We've got a great crowd. We had a Gold Cup final here that sold out. This is a great sports market. It's going to be a great soccer market and a great MLS market. All right, Herc, so we were, what, in the press box when that news broke in the middle of the broadcast. You and I were sitting there. You were on Twitter seeing everybody react to it. Huge smile across your face. Major League, Major League Soccer returns to your home or could, could be on its way to your hometown. Just makes sense to me. Yeah, it's a thriving sports town. It was proven with the Golden Knights. It's proven in the WNBA with the Aces. Uh, NASCAR's here. It's the fight capital of the world. Whether it's boxing or UFC, the Raiders are here. It's the next step for Major League Soccer. And if I'm a Major League Soccer fan and I want to circle any away mm-hmm. game on my calendar, it's Las Vegas. Think about it. You come to the game. Where can I find a hotel? I don't know. Right. Plenty right. of options. <laughs> you think about it. Well, I'm a little bored. I need entertainment. Casino. You don't like to gamble? Go to a show. Uh, you want to find some food? World-class cuisine. This place has everything for everybody in the family. It just makes sense to me. Gold Cup final was here. Obviously a very successful event. You could see that people wanted to come here. We were here in 2019 for the League's Cup final. That was an incredible event. I think a very game city to host any type of any type of international kind of destination soccer event. One thing that's very interesting to me about this is that, you know, we hear some scuttlebutt in the press box up there. I heard from a, a very reliable source that there's not one but multiple ownership groups interested yeah. in Las Vegas. What that tells me, and if there's just kind of one request that I could put in is obviously Las Vegas is a is a worthy city for MLS expansion. If you have not one but two or more ownership groups that are battling for the opportunity to put an MLS team here. But if there is competition, I don't want to see a team in an NFL stadium. That to me is if there's competition, there should be a soccer-specific stadium in Las Vegas. I'm not rooting against the Raiders. I'm just saying if the Raiders are going to be involved, there should be another stadium. Because I don't. I think if we're really moving to MLS 3.0, 4.0, we need to be getting to the point Agreed. where the MLS team is the priority for their ownership group, not the NFL team. Correct. And, and I don't disagree with that at all. And listen, I, I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about potential ownership mm-hmm. groups in, in Major League Soccer for Las Vegas expansion. But there are a few sites, mm-hmm. and they're very well located uh, on Strip, off Strip, and they've been very well discussed within La City, Las Vegas. All right. So uh, they call you yet? Nope. No, nope, not yet. Still waiting. Not yet. Still yeah, waiting. please get him out of the studio here. I could, uh, I could use a break. All right. How about a you got CONCACAFed, Herc, for the ages? I mean, truly for the record books. This is uh, Inter-Mongotepo from Suriname's first division, okay? They're playing Olympia of Honduras in the CONCACAF League, which is your Europa League equivalent for CONCACAF. The real story, though, here is your starting forward, Ronnie Brunswick. He is the team owner and the vice president of Suriname. He played 54 minutes. In case you were wondering, Herc, he started up top with his son, Damien, uh, in a 6 Nothing lost. Shout out to our guy, John Arnold, who does an incredible newsletter on all things CONCACAF. Getting CONCACAF, in fact. Herc, this is just crazy. I think John pointed it out to us, but he also pointed it out to the rest of the world because this blew up overnight. Yeah. He's 60 years old. He's a former bodyguard and rebel leader in his country. Uh, Do you know what jersey number he wore? Uh, 61. You know why? 
He was born in 1961. <laughs> he was born in 1961. Also, looks uh, like it. Back in 2005, this guy uh, threatened some of his players with a handgun during a match. Mm. So I, I don't know how, where do we even start with this, but this is. I would love to tell you I am surprised that I've seen this, but it is Concacaf. This is uh, Shades of Jackie Moon, no? <laughs> Yes, the, uh, Flint the tropics. tropics. Of course. Uh, uh, you've never seen anything like this? No, no owner like being like. I played oh. with a few owners. Oh, well, there you go. So but none of them were 60 years old. Oh, well, okay, but they were still owners. There's something odd about that. Uh, furthermore, this drew a statement from CONCACAF, okay? So it's not just fun and games. They were, quote, extremely concerned over the content of a video circulating on social media, which raises potential integrity issues surrounding the aforementioned match. Uh, now, why were there integrity issues? Well, let us show you the video. It would appear to show a shirtless Brunswick, not in his own dressing room, Herc, in the dressing room of Olympia and what looks like handing out money. Um, not very much money. He's handing out singles. He's what? not. He's not making a rain. Like, I mean, what's going is, on here? This is beyond. This is into the. This is into the realm of the absurd. I. What are you doing if you're an Olympia player? Like, what could he possibly be giving you? $100, $200 to make it worth your while to accept it and you not think, this is kind of fishy. This smells a little weird. <laughs> you know? Maybe I shouldn't be taking this money. Right. I was just playing against this dude. Now he's in our locker room handing out dollar bills. And there's a video camera. Right. I, yeah. That's a... CONCACAF for you. CONCACAF for you. So, we love this segment. We love You Got CONCACAF. But I think we have to ask now, do we, do we need to retire the segment? Like, are we ever going to see anything more CONCACAF than the vice president of a country and team owner at the age of 60 inserting himself in a game and playing for 54 minutes? Did we get his heat map? Did you see the heat map? No, I didn't. No, it's a mean, big circle. Or Concacaf, maybe like a uh, two-league tournament, 47 teams. Yeah. What's the story with people, what's the story with people uh, your owners playing? I was playing at Tecos, and okay. Cheto Leaño was a center back. He had played since his early 20s. He must have been 33, 34 by the time I was there, and he was just the owner. He was the boss man. So anytime we had any issues, you, you went with the captain. 33 or 34, that's a far way from 60. From, from 60. The Washington Post, by the way, reporting he's a convicted drug trafficker in two European countries. He's been convicted of bank robbery. And according to the Honduran press, he's not actually even going to be allowed to travel to Honduras for the second leg of this oh, because of his international legal issues. All jokes aside, it begs the question, <clears throat> this guy's record is not a secret. How did he get registered? And, and how did he become an owner of a team? And, and how did they get into the CONCACAF competition? All of a sudden, CONCACAF throws out a statement as if this, They're very worried, this is the first time that they've, that they've stumbled upon it. So uh, we'll, we'll wait to see where that statement and that what comes of that uh, very interesting, I'm sure, investigation from CONCACAF. Also, out of the CONCACAF region, Tupi Lozano with a great performance today for Napoli. Had two assists for Napoli in a 4-0 win over Sampdoria. This after her, he scored on the weekend. In, in Look at this, in, in Napoli's red kit, which I, I kind of like. There's the assist to Victor uh, Osiman, Mexico's best player then heading into form with, what, just over 10 days into the World Cup qualifiers? Yeah, and look, under Luciano Spalletti, he's playing in a different role, right? Especially in the last few games, we've seen him more in a trident role, terrorizing teams down that right-hand side, more of what we're used to seeing him, we're more accustomed to seeing him. He's not in that 4-3-2-1 role, those two narrow players behind the striker, and he seems to be thriving. 
we were at the World Cup in 2018, you and I. It wasn't Raúl Jiménez, it wasn't it wasn't Javier Hernández Chicharito, it wasn't uh, Carlos Vela Tecatito who they're chanting for. It was El Chucky Lozano. And he's been their most dangerous player and basically since 2018. Their most consistent yeah. player since. El Tri needs this man in form. They need him running on all cylinders. He needs to be a big part of that system for Tata Martino. I know he denied the call-up not too long ago, but if they plan on doing anything in the next World Cup, Chucky Lozano has to be a big part of that. Do we need to give him some credit here just in terms of his stick in Serie A? There was times um, after Ancelotti left when he wasn't really playing under Gattuso. There seemed to be a lot of comments from Gattuso aimed at him in the press where we said, man, this guy's got to get out of here. So he's now, I mean, Ancelotti was kind of already on his side. Um, but he clearly was able to turn Gattuso. You know, yeah. towards the end of last season, he had clearly impressed Gattuso enough. He was getting all sorts of praise from the Italian manager before he leaves. And now Spalletti comes in, who does things differently. And Chucky has again wedged his way into the conversation of a starting lineup. The, the point is now he's got to stay in that starting 11 because there is lots of competition uh, at Napoli. He's been an in and out. He started in the Europa League, didn't start on the weekend when he gets the goal off the bench. He's got to maintain the spot in the 11. Yeah. Um, not just for him, but for his form when he comes back from Mexico. Yeah, we're under the same agreement here that uh, for Mexico, there is no questions. He's a starter. He's probably the best player. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. But for Napoli, and even in his just European adventure, that's not been the case. He's never really had the benefit of the doubt, and he's always had to prove himself, and it's always been something. It's his attitude. It's his tactically not disciplined. It's defensive issues. It's injuries. It a lot of it has been injuries of late. Could this season, well. you start with a, a, an injury suffered injury. in the Gold Cup. Last season, you have a hamstring injury. Um, right when he was really starting to break into form, I think, you know, you can look at his time in Italy and say it has been some peaks and valleys. He's gone through three managerial changes yeah. and some significant injuries as well. So when we look at what Chucky's been able to do on the whole, uh, certainly something worth noting there. Speaking of what players have been able to do on the whole, Andres Guardado. I mean, I know he's coming towards the end of what has been a very, very solid career, but he keeps racking up these numbers. Uh, played 90 minutes. Captains Betis in their 3-1 win over Osasuna today. 350 games. Uh, in top flight football in Europe. For a Mexican player, it is unheard of. It is unheard of, and he's, you know, I was having a discussion today with Marcel, uh, Marcel, I'm sorry, Mauricio Pedrosa on Auto Nunca. Uh, where do you rank him among the all-time best Mexican players Ooh, in their history? It's a tough one, I've right? got him number four, Mao has him number three, but he really has an argument. He's top five material for sure. Whether he's top three or not, that's another question, but this man has had a ridiculous career. I wonder if he's got another World Cup in him. I remember somebody on this show being all but ready to retire, Andres Guardado, a month ago. And if he goes to the World Cup, it's that Rafa Marquez role, like 2018. There you 18. go. Andres Guardado making history and perhaps on his way to more with El Tri. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. So here's Matthew Hoppe's first start for Mallorca. It comes against Real Madrid in a disappointing, it must be said, 6-1 to one defeat. He started, though, played 59 minutes, and how about that, Herc? Wrapped up an assist. You like that? I do. I enjoy that. Matthew Hoppe's going to like that, too. 59 minutes, 24 touches. 
for Matthew Hoppy. Here's what he had to say post-game to our Sid Lowe. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, I'm happy to, to get my start with the team, uh, um, especially you know only after a few weeks. And uh, yeah, it was a difficult result, difficult start to the game. No, I think you should go into every game with the mentality that you're going to win, that you want to score, that you want to um, you know help your team. If you go in with that mentality, then uh, I don't think you're going to get very far. So Matthew Hobby then with a start in his preferred position, Herc, as he told us, he thinks his best position, no matter where he's played with the U.S. men's national team, is through the middle as a number nine. What do you think of his performance against Real Madrid? They've Typical Matthew Hoppy performance, scrappy mm-hmm. fight, you know, I thought he was busy. very good, busy, yes, busy. very good, trying to churn on players, run at players, the mentality that comes with it. I mean, for his La Liga debut as a starter, Sans a 6-1, and you can't do anything about that if you're Matthew Hoppy because of who you're playing against, but it's not a bad debut by any means. He gets the assist to uh, Lee Kang in, nice little setup play right there from Matthew Hoppy, who continues to prove to us, I think as he did in the Gold Cup, that he can be provider just as much as he can be finishing man. Um, what I really like about this is how quickly Herky's been able to get into this starting 11. What I don't really like about it is I'm worried because Mallorca might not be that good. I'm saying that kind of what? just on the strength of, of this performance, what? but when you see him get shellacked like that, you worry about a player who, you know, you want to see him in the top flight. How dare you? Stuart Holden just texted me. Uh, no, is oh, he upset? Is he upset about his uh, beloved Mallorca? But you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's the, it's, you know, you're going to say Jota Jota Masia is the same thing. You know what I'm going to say? We had the, the conversation with Matthew Hoppy, and, and there was some idea from him that he could have stayed at Schalke and could have stayed in Bundesliga too, and even acknowledged like, hey, for a young striker, minutes are the most important thing and minutes in a place where you're scoring goals maybe those minutes will come at Mallorca but I think they're much less likely to come than if he was a guaranteed yeah. starter in the second division of Germany listen good performance to get you on the field last right. week he ended up scoring a goal it was called back but he did enough to show the coaching staff he deserved the start it's an assist they lost six to one maybe they'll change these tactically maybe it's not all on Matthew Hoppy but it's a good performance Matthew Hoppy did not score midweek for Mallorca but you know who did score midweek I mean, we do the show every week. We could pretty much tell you Jordan Peefock. Jordan Peefock scored again midweek. I mean, he does it all the time. Stop me if you've heard time, this before. Right? Uh, another goal. This is now four in six matches for young boys. This, this is very much, Herc, a poacher's goal. That's what he is. He's a no, very no, no, no. I mean, this is an extreme. Look no, 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 but, but he's a very good bo- box player. That's going player. in already. This is what he is. He's a player that is very well in and around the box. He has a feeling for the game. He scores goals. Subbed off in the 63rd, scored his goal in the 62nd. All right, Herc, we got Matthew Hoppy starting against Real Madrid. We got Jordan Peefock scoring goals by the bucket load in Switzerland. So what better time to update your top five U.S. men's national team eligible strikers. We have quite the list, but before we get to the current list, let's check back in on what you were doing uh, in April to? with this top highs. Yes, this to? show is all about accountability. So this was this was back in April. We got Giassi Zardes and Josie Altador in there. How about that? And we got Ayo. Josh Sargent as your number one. So safe to say, her things have changed. Ayaka Nola is playing for Canada now. So yes, things have changed. This is an ever-fluid list. So with that said, let's have at it. My number five. You ready for this? I'm ready. Who are you going with? All right. Number five is going to be the man of the hour, Daryl Dike, who was, quite frankly, the flavor of the month mm-hmm. not too long ago. Uh, MLS loaned to the championship in England, completely tore it up, and they went on a little bit of a drought. Gets a very much well-earned call-up to the Gold Cup. 
And my man struggled. Mm. He didn't look like himself. He You're forgiving him goals. that. He was injured. We're going to take his word. We're going to take Greg Berhalter's word, the coaching staff. He was injured. He didn't look right. Uh, he's scoring a few goals now back in Orlando, but he's got to work his way back. So number five is Daryl Deacon. It's going to go number four. Number four is uh, not very high on most people's list. Mm -hmm. Giassi Zardes. Oh, look at you. Where is Giassi? There Down here is. at the bottom. And put him right here. I want you to just check this out with Giassi Zardes. Okay, when we talk Giassi Zardes, productivity. He's the fastest, second fastest player, excuse me, to get to 10 goals, 10 assists in U.S. men's national team history. He seems to be a player that Greg Berhalter really trusts. He's a player that's productive. He's a player you can count on. You know what you're going to get from him. This is my number you know, four. You know people are not going to like that pick. I know. He's not very popular, but he's popular with Greg Berhalter, so you got to put him on there because the guy scores goals. You know exactly what you're going to get. And he was big this Gold Cup. He was actually the reason, one of the few reasons they made it as far as they did. All right, my man, number three. You ready for this, number three? Okay, who are you going with? Who are you going with? Josh Sargent, who was number one on my list back in April. And when we talk about Josh Sargent, we got to talk about his skill set. He's still a player that I have a lot of faith in. Technically, mm -hmm. he's very good. Tactically, he's very aware. He's a very much team player. He's, well, still, he's not scoring for the national team, and he's not playing. And that's that what it is. It's about clubs. it's about goals, right? You've got to score goals. He does play with the national team, but it's about goals with Josh Sargent. He does everything well in between the boxes. He's the perfect player. He's the most complete player in this forward pool but you gotta score those goals and he's not been scoring them. So that leads us to number two, a man who does score a few goals. Well, so hold on. So I'm thinking that our top two weren't even in your top five. They back weren't. In April. I'm telling but you. But that's what being a forward is about. You know what it is? Facts change, so do opinions. All right, so who's number two? Jordan Peefolk. Don't call him anything else. No, nope, don't. Jordan They Peefolk. keep doing it though. They keep calling him Seabitu over in Europe. No, you shouldn't do it. Okay. Look at this. This man scores goals. 13 appearances in all competitions this year. Eight goals, yes, eight goals for our man Jordan Pifuk. A few, a few, excuse me, in what was the Champions League, won a game winner over Manchester United. Who else can say that? This is the thing, though, with Jordan Pifuk. You can score goals at the club level, but once you get them, when you get those opportunities at the national team level, you got to put them away. Look at this number right here, only one goal. It was a big goal. I understand. That goal gave him an advancement to the finals in the uh, Nations League in CONCACAF, but you need to score those goals. He's in a number two right now, and he's in a good moment, so let's see if he can ride that. Okay, so we got Jordan Pifok in there at number two. So who was number one last time was Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent. You number one, none other than Ricardo Pepe. Oh, it's Ricardo Pepe! Why are you going with Pepe at number one? Uh, let me just uh, show you this, okay? When you talk about forwards, it's about being a hot hand. It's about enjoying the moment, taking advantage of the moment, taking advantage of the opportunities. Mm -hmm. Everything we've seen from Ricardo Pepe, whether it's the Major League Soccer level, whether it's the small sample size we saw in the Liga MX Major League Soccer All-Star Game. The one game he had in a World Cup qualifier, what he's involved in, all four goals. This man just scores goals. You ride him till the wheels fall off. I don't care what anybody's saying. I was one, let's say, pump the brakes, he's not the savior. But with a hot hand, as a forward, you gotta ride him for all his worth. He's 18 years old. I don't know if he's the real deal. I don't know if it's a fad. I don't know if a month from now we're gonna say, what happened to Ricardo Pepe? All I know is, you gotta ride this until you can't no more. And Gregor Halter is going to do that. All right, so here's our top five then. DK Zardes, Sergeant Pifok, and Ricardo Pepe at number one. Let's push this forward, because we've right. got some World Cup qualifiers coming up in about two weeks. The United States against Jamaica 
in Austin. Who do you think will be the starting forward that night for the U.S.? This man, Ricardo Pepe. Hey, listen, he did all this away from home. He did all this in the World Cup qualifier at 18 years of age. You give him this game. You mm. give him the home game. You see what he can do. You're going to have three-game window, so you see how far that can go. But Ricardo Pepe, he's earned it. When most players weren't scoring goals, when you had these doubts, this 18-year-old, brash 18-year-old, he raised his hand and said, hey, I want to be that man. And so far, he's been that for Greg Berhalter. With the three games, though, probably looking at some rotation in there, unless Pepe really gets hot and maintains that spot. Yes, you're going to look at a lot of rotation because that's what it is. We've seen the amount of injuries in the CONCACAF level and World Cup qualifiers with all these players playing significant amount of club games plus these World Cup qualifiers. You're going to see rotation. I'm very surprised, though. I'm surprised you didn't mention one name. What's that? Matthew Hoppy. Matthew Hoppy. I'm surprised you left him out. I'm surprised yeah. he made it into your top 10, actually, based on what you're saying for, because you don't see him as a number nine. I, it's not that I don't see him as a number nine. Greg Berhalter hasn't shown us he sees him as a number nine. Till we see that, because, I mean, you start against Real Madrid as a number nine, you're clearly a number nine. Somebody values you as a number nine. But until the big man, Greg Berhalter, sees you as a nine, I can't put you on this list, and I'm sad because I really want to see Matthew Hoppy play as a nine. All right, so these are players for the current moment for the U.S. men's national team. What about a player for the future? Remember this name, Malik Tillman. Youngster, born in Germany, but he's got U.S. men's national team eligibility through his father's side. 19 years old, just signed his first professional contract with Bayern Munich through 2024. He has represented Germany at the youth national team level. He has also, however, represented the United States with the under-15s back in 2016. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, Herc, let's turn our attention to the women's game. U.S. Women's National Team taking on... Paraguay last night in Cincinnati, and it was just about what we saw last week in Cleveland. Not quite 9-0, 8-0 this one for the U.S. women. Alex Morgan with a hat-trick, Katarina Macario with a couple goals, Carly Lloyd, Sophia Smith, Rose Lavelle, Cincinnati's own Rose Lavelle with goals as well in this one. Herc, as we mentioned earlier in the show, the uh, aggregate between these two games, a cool 17-0 in favor to the American women. It kind of begs the question, what does either team get out of these friendlies? Yeah, I don't know if you could really say Paraguay got any better, right? One last goal is still 17-2 in two games. And I don't know, sometimes you play this lesser competition, you get to pad the stats, but you don't necessarily get anything out of it tactically. You don't really, team-wise, get better. I will say one thing. It's good for Paraguay. Uh, their players certainly enjoy the opportunity. You saw them taking selfies with Alex Morgan after this game, selfies with Carly Lloyd after the first game where she scored five goals. And there you have it. Uh, Carly Lloyd on 134 goals all-time. Now very comfortably in third place on the U.S. all-time score sheet behind Abby Wambach and Mia Hamm. Just a couple more games for Carly Lloyd. Those coming in October against South Korea. To Major League Soccer where the New England Revolution have clinched a playoff spot, Herc, and in September, they did so in dramatic fashion. 3-2 over the Chicago Fire. Carles Gil with the stoppage time game winner, Herc. They're 15 points clear of anybody else in the Eastern Conference right now. I mean, Bruce Arena, right? 
This is what Bruce Arena does. Carles Hill. It may be his third goal of the campaign, but he got 16 assists. The man is putting up MVP-like numbers, and it's the game winner. It's the last second of the game. Chicago, like, maybe you defend a little better. You're at home. Hey, they're, uh, they're 13 points clear of second place in the league. That's sporting Kansas City. So they're really running away with it. I mean, this is shades of... Atlanta United, this is shades of LAFC, the, Toronto. the season that they were, you know, expected yeah. to, to win MLS Cup, shades of Toronto, you're right, uh, in 2018. I think there's, there's a lot of comparisons there. If you just go off the standings, right, if you just look at kind of how dominant New England has been uh, in the regular season. Now, the question was originally going to be, are you taking the New England revolution or are you taking the field to win MLS Cup? But let's be honest, that's just way too easy because in MLS, the default answer is, well, it's the MLS Cup playoffs. Anything could happen. Anything can happen. So let's let's make it tougher then. All right. All right now, the New England Revolution, the favorites in your mind to win MLS Cup. Well, I mean, they're certainly a very good team. One of the best goalkeepers. I didn't ask that. I asked, the best, are they the favorites the over your coaches? beloved Seattle Sounders? I'm still taking the field, Sammy. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm still taking Seattle I, Sounders okay. if I have to a plus 600 because they're plus 600. Yep. But let me throw out a number. Mm -hmm. These bookies here in my hometown of Las Vegas, Nevada, I don't know if they know what they're doing. Do they not watch MLS is what you're saying? Atlanta's at plus 3,300. Like, Ooh. that's some good loot. That's some good money. That's some good cake right there if you want to take a flyer because this team is getting hot mm -hmm. and at the right moment. And they're coached by Gonzalo Pineda, and they seem to be buying in. I'm not saying this is a team to lift the cup. Man, I'm sorry. This was supposed to be a segment about the New England Revolution. You picked out another Eastern Conference team to talk about. So I don't think you think the Revs are even going to get out of the East. I don't think they're going to be MLS Cup. Teams. Look at that. Do you think they'll be an in MLS Cup? Maybe. It's very, wow. it's very Mira, New no England. Like. Comprometer. Hold on. You don't want to no, commit. No, 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 no. Let me, you think it's, it's going to be Atlanta. You think it's going to be somebody else? No, it they're could, 15 it could be New points clear of it anybody else New in the England. East right it now. It could be New England. Yeah, no, of course it could be New England. But how many times have we seen New England? Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. MLS Cup in a final. Oh, what look happens? At you. You're living in the past. It happened living in, Azul in ancient MLS years. history. All right, we're talking about like 2006 and 2007, bro. Relax. All right. uh, speaking of uh, more recent MLS more history, recent. we'll have more recent MLS history coming this weekend on ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes. Sunday, kickoff at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time between Austin FC and the LA Galaxy. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. El Clásico Nacional this weekend, Saturday, at Azteca, Chivas against América. The debut for the interim manager for Chivas. Este Manuel Michel Leaño making his uh, first appearance in charge after the firing of Victor Manuel Bucetich at the midweek. Chivas sitting in ninth. Club América tied for first with Toluca after Las Aguilas suffered their first defeat of the season over the weekend. The big question mark here for Chivas is Alexis Vega, their star player, questionable. And Herc, as you look at the recent history, my oh my. Nothing but América there. Chivas has struggled a lot of late in El Clásico Nacional. 
And for more, let's welcome in our good friend, host of Ahora Nunca with Hercules Gomez, Mauricio Pedrosa. Mauricio, welcome back to the show. How come you didn't get the invite to Las Vegas? Somebody has to stay in L.A. and do the work? Is that right? I had, I had bigger, more important things to do, <laughs> so I did not have time to join you guys. But I got to say, I'm watching the show. I'm watching you guys together do your mm -hmm. thing. Now I'm a little jealous. Now yeah. I am a little jealous. But yeah, uh, we, happy to be here as always. We've got a uh, we got a third chair over here in the studio. So next uh, next Vegas trip, we'll have to iron out the logistics <laughs> to get Mao in here. So let's talk about some some coach dismissals here. Uh, Busetich gets the firing. I think we discussed it on this show, Mao. A little bit interesting timing, not ahead of an international break, but yes, it was ahead of the Clásico Nacional. What do you make of the timing of Busetich's firing from Chivas, and more importantly, now how it could impact the game on Saturday? Okay, so it's a bad look after win, Chivas beat Pachuca, and then you fire your coach? But I get it, the timing is actually right, because he was gonna go, eventually. But what, what happens if he stays put, beats Pachuca, as it happened, and then, by an act of uh, sorcery, he's able to beat America? How do you fire him then? Mm. So they had to do it when they did it. Again, it is a bad look. That's why I'm not a general manager or a sporting director. It is a bad look, but I understand. Now, the fact that you are letting Victor Manuel Bucetich go to bring Marcelo Micheleaño, that's a head scratcher. Mm -hmm. But that was the only name available at the time. Now, what kind of impact it can have in the game? You know, we have a saying in Mexico, equipo que estrena técnico gana the team that debuts a manager usually wins. I don't think it's going to be the case, but I, I, I believe they're trying just to have a psychological effect and impact on the players. Just listening to a different voice, listening to a different message. Let's see if it actually translates to the pitch. Is that real, Herc? Is that a real thing that Chivas can count on? And if so, is that the only thing that Chivas can count on this weekend? I don't know if it's a real... I mean, yes, stats would tell us that leaning to a real thing. I don't know if that's the only thing they can count up. I mean, this is what I said last week, and Mel's absolutely right. If you're a sporting director, if you're Ricardo Pelayas, how can you look at the fan base in the face? How can you look Victor Manuel Sotich in the face after he's beat the last two teams and then after he beats America and say, hey, by the way, I want to let you go. If you want to let him go, you had to do this. Michelle Año, I also understand a bit because he's in-house, and we always see this, right? There's mm -hmm. an in-house manager, there's an in-house guy by default who especially gets Especially when it's interim, especially right. when it's, it's interim. It's interim. Now, if he's a full-time, it gets named to full-time, that would be very surprising. I mean, but he's thing. very young. He's very inexperienced, Herc, for this job. I mean, he, he's younger than Oribe Peralta, Mal. I mean, is, <laughs> is he going to be able to coach these guys? That's, that's a legit question in a Clásico. It, it is a legit question, but as Herc said, he's, he's been working with the club for several years now. He's usually working with under-23s, under-20s, under-17s. He was in charge of the academy. But let's not forget one specific detail. He's very close friends with Amaury Vergara, the owner. And I heard from mm. sources inside the club, and Herc knows this as well, that his master plan is to actually have the interim uh, tag removed after the season. He still wow. has half a season to go, and then maybe Liguilla. Where does that leave Ricardo Pelaez? I know that's a different conversation, but he believes he's the guy mm. with, a, with young talent, like Chivas does have right now. He's the guy to make them play better, something that Victor Manuel Bucetich apparently could not do.
Leonio, that's a very thin resume for a job as big as Chivas, if we're going to still pretend that Chivas uh, is indeed a massive job. Let's talk about the team, though, or at least now what's left of it. Uh, Alexis Vega, doubtful in this. Can Chivas win without him? I don't think so. Uh... He is the best player in the club, and he has not been available since the international break because of his injury. And look, the numbers numbers never lie, right? And this is a special case for Alexis Vega because he does it all. If he has to score, he does it. He's also very good at assisting. You can play him behind the number nine, or you can play him out wide to the left-hand side. So the fact that he does a lot of good things for you that leads me to believe that without him, uh, it's very hard to win. And let's not forget, the other very good player that Chivas has had in the past two or three games is Canelo Angulo. And sadly, he was a victim of uh, a criminal act in the past hours in Mexico. He's fine. He's, uh, his girlfriend is also okay. But, I mean, that has to have an impact on a player before a very important game as a Clásico against America. Yeah, Angulo held against as well. A very scary situation there. No Alexis Vega hurt. Uh, this is just a, a massive, massive loss for Chivas, isn't it? It's your biggest player. It's your best player. He's your number one attacking option. And, and if you don't have him, go by default. Chivas is a team that doesn't score very many goals. They've got eight goals this season. Their leading goal scorer is Angel Saldivar, which has three goals. He's not exactly screaming, you know, high profile, high attacking, number one option. Oribe Peralta has been starting as well. Oribe Peralta scored two goals in the last two years. Where are the goals going to come from? Alexis Vega has that about him. What he creates for others as well. He's not just a goal scoring option himself. What he can produce in the final third is quite frankly one of the best in Liga MX. Mm. And well, Chivas doesn't have him. They got very little chance. Now we, we keep seeing doubtful when it comes to Alexis Vega. Is there any hope that he could be available Saturday? I believe so. So the last thing coming out out of uh, Chivas camp is that they are going to be very, very careful because this is an injury. It's an ankle injury. We also the tackle that uh, actually caused the injury and the medical staff, they want to be, they want to take every single precaution. Now, He's going to be available, probably coming off the bench, but again, it's very risky. And let's not forget that he's also, he wants to be available for Tata Martino for the next international break, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. Okay, so let's talk about the America side of this. And, and this is just a very, very clear example of the different standards that these two grandes uh, now face. Now, what is the expectation this weekend for America? Is a win good enough? Or do they need to win and impress and golear, as the custom would say? Yeah, Sebi, uh, please, let's, let's not go crazy on this. The only <laughs> expectation is to win the game. Beat your biggest rival. Expose Chivas, but just by beating them. 1-0 is good enough. 2-1 to mm. is good enough. Let's not forget, America's coming after their first loss of the season against Toluca. Yes, I understand that Santiago Solari tried different things, shaking up his starting lineup, but still, it was a bad loss. It was, in the end, it was a 3-1, but I think we can all agree that Toluca could have easily scored five or six on America last week, and so the win is good enough because it's still very early in the regular season. Now, come playoff time, come Liguilla time, it's a different story, but as for now, just win the game. You're in Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders. Just win, baby. That's it. That's all Sebi. that matters. Sebi, mm -hmm. you're uh, an Americanista. Yeah. You buying this? 
So, I mean, I, w I wouldn't mind a 3 nothing. I wouldn't mind a 4 nothing. But, yeah, I think regular season, I'm absolutely okay with a one nothing. Just win, baby. Any victory in El Clásico Nacional is good enough, especially with Chivas as weak as they are. Now, if Chivas were to, to steal a point or win, it would be devastating as an America fan because you really do feel like this is the moment to deliver a, a big blow to your, to your key nemesis, your arch rival. You don't agree, Herc? I 100% agree with you. It is, all I've been hearing about is America will finally have their full team, the full lineup, the first choice lineup for Solari. So now you're telling me I've got two Americanistas with me, and they're saying, hey, we're just hoping they win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you'll take it. Well, if, 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 this is the first time, if this is the first time that we actually get to see uh, the stellar lineup, they, they haven't played together at all during the season. So it is yeah. okay just to... Get things going by getting the W. All right, so we got some other news out of Mexico this week, and that is about the Pacto de Caballeros, or Gentlemen's Agreement, translated in English, which is really a, an agreement between the owners of the Mexican League, which effectively prohibited professional Mexican players from having free agency. Well, now COFESA, which is a government agency which basically regulates finances, to, to sum it up quickly, uh, has fined 17 clubs and the Mexican Federation, as well as eight individuals, over 177 million pesos. Now, um, according to FMF, this practice was ended in 2018-2019, uh, before these, obviously, uh, sanctions and their preceding investigation began. Mao, this is, for the longest time, has been kind of like the worst-kept secret in Mexican soccer. What's been the reaction down in Mexico to this news? The reaction, it is that it's, it's good news, but it's not good enough. This is not going to solve the way players are not protected against club owners. And there's just a main reason for that. There's no established or solid players union. And as long as that doesn't exist, things like this are still going to happen. Probably not as open, probably not as wide as this mm. practices used to be five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm completely sure Herc, in his time as a player in the Mexican league, he, you, you probably did not experience this in first person, but you saw a lot of players going through that. Now, the fact that there are actually heavy fines, so it's 177 million pesos, approximately, uh, we're speaking of uh, $10 million, and the clubs are gonna have to pay that. Still, not, it, it sounds like a lot of money, but when you split that among the teams, it's probably not that much more money, but something had to be done. Mm. Let's see how players react. Now, that's the next step. I wanna see players taking the next step and trying to create that union that finally puts an end to these kind of practices. Yeah, very briefly, this is when a player thinks he has free agency, his contract runs out, but all the other owners collude and say, I'm not going to poach this player until you deal him somewhere else so they can get their take. Now, I agree with Mauricio here. This is, this is on the Players Association. A weak Players Association has allowed this to happen for many, many years in Mexico. We talk about the CBA. We talk about the Players Union here in Major League Soccer. There is no CBA. There is no co collective bargaining agreement in, in Mexican soccer. And that's a big problem why they get taken advantage of the way they do. There you go. Also, uh, some of the fines handed down for wage suppression when it comes to Liga Mekis Femenil. So uh, a lot to be cleaned up there uh, in terms of this investigation from Cofese. Okay, uh, Mauricio Pedrosa, thanks so much for the time here on Football Americas. We will see you Monday through Friday on Ahora Nunca, and I'm sure before long we'll see you right back here on the show.
Enjoy Vegas, boys. Uh, we've heard what Mao has to say. We've heard what Herc has to say. We've heard what I have to say. What do the computers, though? What do the computers have to say? The Soccer Power Index projects that Club America has a 53% chance of winning Saturday at Azteca. You don't agree? Oh, she has got a 20% chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. I am telling you there's a chance. What would this show be in Las Vegas without a Clásico Nacional themed edition of Book It? All right, so let's get into goal scores, right? Because that's where we got to start every game. Who is the better Clásico bet? Roger Martinez to score, only paying out at plus 260. Or 37-year-old Oribe Peralta to score, paying out at a healthy plus 700. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, why you got to bring up the age? I mean, you... It's old. Seven's just a number. Yeah. All right. All For right. A professional footballer, it's old. Okay. Where are you going with? Uh, listen, I know Oribe Peralta. He's that's your boy. You're going to go against player. your boy? That's my man. That's my boy. Oh, look at you. But Oribe Peralta scored two goals in two years. Mm. One of those goals came in the now defunct Copa MX. The other goal came against San Luis. And as Matt will tell you, <laughs> San Luis ain't nothing. So uh, I would never say uh, that. Roger is the man you want to go with here. So my money, because I like making money, I like keeping my money, is going with Roger Martinez. Mm. Almost by default, right? So uh, I was looking at this. I was like, well, who are the... Who are the better options for Chivas? What are the other options for Chivas in terms of odds? There's not many. No, Angel, Angel Saldivar is your next bet. He's also at plus 700. What? Uriel Antuna is at plus 1100. I think that tells you just what the odds makers think, that Chivas is not going to score in this game. If your best bet is plus 700, um, it's not looking good, very good for Chivas. I'm going to go with Roger Martinez at plus 260. So unfortunately for this one, we agree. All, All right. right, we agree. Let's move on to the next a better Clásico bet. Both teams to score. Yes, pan out at minus 112. No, at minus 125. Which did you take, Herc? <laughs> Let me just tell you really quickly, uh, very simply, why I took this. This is a... Of course, we're seeing... I... No. You don't trust Chivas? No, no. here's the thing. It... America's been shut out once this season, and that was week one against Querétaro. Uh, your boys, Chivas, your Chiva hermanos, mm. they've been shut out four times this year. Their leading goal scorer is Saldivar with three goals. Yep. They've only scored eight on the year. You said it yourself. The odds makers, the bookies, they don't think they're going to score very much. I don't think both teams will score. Mm, okay, well, I hate to disagree with you, but I'm going to do it here. <laughs> Coming in, yes. Now, some of this is just me kind of banking on the fact that it's a Clásico, right? Like, I right. figure we're going to get a slightly better performance out of Chivas than we've been getting of late. They'll be inspired facing up against America. New manager boost. Don't you always tell me there's like a shot in the arm for teams when they get a new yes, manager? Yes, of course. Maybe there'll be something like that for Chivas. Is he a I could, I could see them getting a goal in this game. So I will take both teams to score at minus 112, which is also a, a better payout than what you're getting at minus 125. Okay, the final book okay. it here. Best classical bet. Which is the better one? Ooh, this is a good one. Okay, so you're taking America at minus two and a half which basically means Club America to win by three or more, right. or Chivas plus a half goal, which means a win or a draw for Chivas. So are you saying there's a better chance that Chivas can maybe steal a point here or that America's going to blow them out, Herc, and win by three? Ah, uh, here we go. This is, you know, I'm actually going to go with you, you with because your... I know you're an Americanista. <laughs> and listen, I'm an Americanista. Yeah. You're the one that's been picking well, America. I, I like making money. America, America, their preferred scoreline in six of the 11 games they played in club and, uh, I'm sorry, league and what is Copa, mm -hmm. it's... 
a 2-0. It's 2-0 and six of those score lines. And they're going to have more of a full-strength squad. And also, in the last seven meetings, mm. regular season meetings in this Clásico Nacional, they've not lost. Do you know that Club América is first place right now in Liga Mekis? And do you know where Chivas is? Do you know how many goals Chivas has ninth. scored? Ninth. They are ninth. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like keeping my money. So, uh, I like... You know, staying here. So. Plus, what I what I just say, the payout is enormous. I mean, if you're willing to bet a blowout in El Clásico Nacional, you're gonna get a, a nice, healthy payout. But I'm a little bit more conservative. Oh. And you know what this really boils down to is, if you know me as a person, you know I'm fortunately yes. I'm a I'm a little bit pessimistic, right? I, I can you? I, I'm a little bit what? I can be a little bit negative. I can, I can be a little bit worried. So. I think there's a better chance that Chivas do the unthinkable, the unlikely, the impossible, and steal a point in Azteca, despite the fact that they're playing terribly right now, terribly right now, than that America wins by three. It's a Clásico, Herc. You don't just, you don't just win Clásicos by three. You're right, not by chance, but they've won the last seven. I know. So what are you doing? You're an Americanista, and you're telling me the game you're most worried about is this Chivas? Is Angel Saldivar and his three goals? Is Oribe Peralta starting up top with them? Is that what you're worried about? It's an emotional hedge, Herc. It's an emotional hedge. Just in case things go wrong here, I can at least tell the good folks at home I got it right. Which, by the way, in Book It, I've been getting it right a lot, a lot of late. We were four for four last week. Word. Seattle, Leon, you pick Seattle, and I pick Leon. So again, your boy, nothing but winners. Nothing but winners. I feel like this is you got CONCACAF. You picking Chivas right now. What is going on? <laughs> hey, we got one more. We got a little party shot right here. As you know, you guys should know, it's Sebastian Salazar's birthday, and we got a special message for you. Oh, no. Happy birthday, Sebasti. I'm here at the Dallas airport on my way to San Francisco. I will see you tonight. Ah. Um, I miss you and I love you very, very much. And I cannot be prouder of all of your work on Puta Americas. Have the yeah. best day. But Sebasti, we need it. feliz uh. cumpleaños. Un beso, un abrazo y a celebrar. Happy birthday, my son. Wait, wait, it gets good. Y que esto y que el otro. Salud! Salud. <laughs> Beautiful! Wow, they Spash were really it. ready. No, it's a uh, custom here. They were really ready. Mordida! 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 We love you here, brother, so enjoy that. Enjoy that. <laughs> oh, and enjoy, my man. Happy Thank birthday. Happy Thank birthday. you, brother. Just Let's a little. Let's do Vegas again! Had a great time. I never get a cake on ESPN FC. <laughs> I like this show way more than ESPN FC. They treat me much better. Oh. ESPN FC who? No, don't be that guy. We're back on Monday.